Benson. How you doing, brother? Good to see you. Good to see you. Wow. Sister Benson in her absence and uh, Kanita Benson. Wow. She invited us here. And it's just so awesome that, that uh, you've given us an opportunity to share our heart with you. And uh, God is good. God is good. He is so, so good. And I want to introduce my bride. This is the woman who thought it not robbery to travel to the Middle East with me and to live for four years in a place that was uncomfortable. Here she is, my bride, Rebecca Ray. Just wave. Just wave. And uh, we spent four years uh, in the Middle East. And uh, we know that Muslims are uh, human beings. They love just like we love. They love to eat. They love sweet tea. All the things that you love, most of them love too. And I love the, the video that just popped up there. And uh, they're just like us. But this fear since 9-11, this fear has been uh, brought about that all of them hate you. All of them trying to kill you. No, 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 no. That's just not true. And uh, let me get this up here so I'll know what I'm talking about. And we'll have questions at the end. But I thought about it. Uh, when Kanita called me, I was, I was just reading like I normally read. And uh, I was reading this article by John Piper. And uh, so if you hear some stuff, I don't want to commit perjury or plagiarism or anything like that. I'm telling you, some of the stuff that I got was from this article that I read on John Piper. And the reason that I chose that was because every other research paper that I read about the light, the light, Jesus being the light, was talking about the light that we have. We don't have no light in and of ourselves. But I think that John Piper, and you're talking about engaging Islam, you know what the word engage means? The word engage means to occupy, to, to attract, or to involve yourself in something to achieve a goal, to achieve a goal. So I just want to, uh, that everything will be coming out of Luke. Not everything, but some, I got some off scriptures too. Luke chapter 11. If you would turn to that, please. Luke chapter 11. Need my glasses. Verses uh, 30 through 36. And I want to read verse 33 to you. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it away in a cellar, nor under a basket, but on the lampstand, so those who enter may see the light. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you and praise you just for this opportunity to share your word, Father God. And we're talking about engaging Islam. It's uncomfortable. It's, it's oppressive. Islam is an oppressive uh, religion, Father God. But yet there are people there who need to see the light. But they can't see the light for the darkness that resides in us, that hate that's in us, those, those prejudices that are in us. So I pray that today, Father God, that you would open your word. They don't want to hear me, Father God. I'm just a human being. But, Lord, they will listen to you. When you speak, they always listen. And so, Father, let it be so today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, using technology here, so trying to get it together. All right. I want to read, uh, read the, these verses in its entirety. Then I want to break them down into bite-sized chunks. But all this not only is application for you, it has been application for me. 
because um, I don't let the light shine all the time. Do you? Do you? You know, we have this attitude about ourselves that we're Western Christians and we got it all together. No, a Muslim can tell right off the bat whether you got it all together. And we don't. Okay? So let's read Luke. I want to go from chapter 30, verse 30 of, of, of chapter 11. I'm going to start at 29. As the crowds were increasing, he began to say, this generation is a wicked generation. It seeks for a sign, and yet no sign will be given to it but the sign of Jonah. But just as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. Jesus speaks throughout eternity. 2,000 years ago, Jesus was speaking, and he's still speaking to us today. The queen of the south will rise up with the men of this generation at, at the judgment and condemn them because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will stand up with this generation at the judgment and condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it away in a cellar, nor under a basket, but in the lampstand, on the lampstand, so that those who enter may see the light. The eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is clear, your whole body also is full of light. But when it is bad, your body also is full of darkness. That, then watch out that the light in you is not darkness. If therefore your whole body is full of light with no dark part in it, it will be wholly illumined as when the lamp illumines you with its rays. Amen. Amen. Now, we're talking about engaging Islam, engaging Islam. And the thing that's interesting to me in these verses is that Jesus declares, he says when he's talking about Solomon, he's talking about Jonah, he says something greater then Solomon is here. When he talked about Jonah, he says, something greater than Jonah is here. Who could he be talking about? We know Solomon because Solomon was the wise. In 1 Kings, Solomon, God says, you know what? You're going to be the wisest man. Nobody will have wisdom like you. Jesus said, something greater than Solomon is here indicating that the wisdom of Jesus is greater than anything that you will encounter. It's greater than Islam. It's greater than Hinduism. It's greater than your fearful thoughts. It's greater than anything that you could ever imagine. See, when we're talking about engaging Islam, you got to come to the conclusion, it's not me that's doing this thing, Lord. It took me... It took us seven years to raise support to go, and I kept asking the Lord, Father, you know, you can stop this process at any time, you know, because I was fearful. I didn't know what to expect, and the Lord said to me, I got you, but what about my wife and my children? What about them? Of course, we got to protect our wives and children, right? God said, no, who gave you those wives, that wife and those children? Who is the one? You go. That's what he told me personally. You go. You fulfill my call on your life. 
What about Jonah? Do you know that Jonah, when he was in the well, it, it indicated that the res- it was a foretype of the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Do you know he was a foretype? And the scripture says, Jesus said himself, something greater than Jonah is here. Any resurrection, any resuscitation, Jesus is greater than all of that. He can resuscitate anybody. He can bring anybody back to life. Where do you find yourself now? Where do you find yourself? Can he not bring you back to life? He was saying something greater than Jonah is here. He can revive. He can resuscitate. He can restore. He is greater than Islam. So the reason we're saying this is because when you're in an Arab country, we didn't live in a, in, a, in a compound where everybody's protected by a wall. We lived among the people. My wife is there. She'll tell you. Every day we walked out and took our kids to school. We went to doctors 3 o'clock in the morning. We, you know, we, we did stuff like that because that was how the Egyptians lived too. How do you engage in Islam? How do you engage? You become like, it's part of your perspectives course, you become like so they can remain like. It's very, very interesting. I don't want you, and because, because of, my computer keeps going out on me, but because of Jesus' great wisdom, because of his ability to resuscitate and to rescue, what is Jesus saying? He's saying, do you see me for who I truly am? Do you see Jesus for who he truly is? See, these countries, Colombia, India, Germany, Saudi Arabia, China, Japan, Jesus loves them all. But we get caught up in the fear of going to a strange place. African Americans are uniquely qualified. We have been uniquely qualified to go into third world countries and live among people so that we might win them for Christ. What are we doing? We sitting on our butts. That's what we doing. We sitting on our butts. We we we're buying everything we possibly can. We're jamming. We're doing all this other stuff. And I like that stuff too. Don't get me wrong. I like I like eating. I like music. I like all that stuff. But the real deal is that Christ is trying. He is going to win the world for Himself. And so, this idea. When we see Jesus for who he truly is, I want you to think about that because it's a personal question. It really is. It'll stop you from going to the Arab world because you don't know who Jesus is. He's just religion to you. I just come here on Sunday and I do my thing. I'm blessed. I'm going home. Jesus is greater than all of that. He's magnificent. He's compelling so that his light becomes the light and joy of our lives. Jesus, this scripture, talks about seeing, and he talks about two lamps, two lamps. It's very, very interesting. He says in verse 33, no one, after lighting a lamp, puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. You walk into a dark room, you can't see nothing. But those who enter may see the light. In reference to his powerful presence, which is greater than Solomon, and in reference to his, he's the greatest resuscitator of all time, Jesus says, 
I am the light of the world. <laughs> Do you get that? He says, I am the lamp that must not be hidden or missed. Let me say that again. He says, I am the light of the world. I am the lamp that must not be hidden or missed. It is not us. He is the lamp. He is the one that shall not be hidden or missed. Let me tell you this. Me and my wife were, were overseas, and we got Muslim friends. We do. I'm not going to give out no names because we're podcasting, okay? But we wanted to learn Arabic, and they wanted to learn English. And me and Ahmad, you sit down, you drink. I gave a man name up. Anyway, we sit down. <laughs> We sit down and, and we drink tea and we do everything, right? He got there. The brother says, Hey, he says, You're not going to convert me and I ain't going to convert you. But I knew something different. I said, Okay, it's love that wins out. It's love that wins out. My wife is part of the uh, Princess Warriors. That's what we called ourselves, what they called themselves. And uh, basic human decency. Christ said, love people. My brother's wife, mother died. Sorry, my brother's wife, mother died. Okay, thank you. His mother died. And we do this with our people. She said, Larry, I'm going to fry some fish up. And we're going to take it over there. And being, um, this is the thing about being African-American we could walk anywhere. We could go in the darkest parts of Cairo, Egypt, the ghettos, the places that we're used to. You know what I mean? And so we walk up in there, kids with us. My daughter and Lauren, Jay is four years old. Lauren's about six. We walk up in there. People don't say nothing to us. Hey, Sabakir. Sabakir means good morning. Sabak Noor, morning of light. Yeah, yeah. Praise God. So we walk up in the house. And she tells Rebecca, she said, what is this? Rebecca says, this is what we do in our culture. When somebody passes away, we don't leave the burden on you to make food. We bring you food. She said, what? They don't see that. They don't understand that. That's love. That is love. We had many opportunities. They went, they went to Sharm El Sheikh. It reminded me of... Uh, United States in the 60s, nobody wore seat belts. They riding the Charmel Shake. They baby in the back of the car. They had an accident. The car turned over. The baby, Akamai told me, said, Larry, the baby would not have survived anyway. We went and ministered. That's what we do, right? That's what we do. We're believers in the Lord Jesus. I ain't got to tell you I'm a Christian. I can act like I'm a Christian. I can let Christ's light shine. Those are the things that matter. Not talking about, oh, I'm a Christian. No, show me. That's what Muslims see. They see you acting different than anybody else. Mahatma Gandhi said this. He says, he says uh, one of the missionaries said, why don't you be a Christian? He said, if I ever met one, I probably would be one. That's some deep stuff. It makes you go back and say to yourself, wow, am I just religious? Who am I? 
But Jesus says something totally, sorry, totally different. Totally different. The way the lamp of Jesus becomes a lamp for you is that you see him for what he really is. Then your eye becomes the lamp of your body when you see the lamp of his greatness in the world. That's your reference point. When I see Jesus for his greatness, that is my reference point now. Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't see anything different anymore. I I see things differently now because he's my reference point. I'm just learning this, okay? I ain't going to sit here and act like I got it all together. I got issues too, okay? Jesus said, no, no, no. I want every act and every part of your life, this to be a reference point for you because I am the lamp. I am the lamp for you and for the world. And my greatness, he's the only one that can make this claim. My greatness is greater than Solomon's wisdom. I can resuscitate, and if you're not there, I can resuscitate and restore you to where you need to be. In Watchman Nee's book, The Ministry of God's Word, Watchman Nee says something that sticks to me to this day. He said, all of us fall. All of us are at a place where we weren't in the beginning. He says, but when the Lord restores you and resuscitates you, find out where that place was that you dropped off. You must, you must achieve that point there in order to continue. It's a great, great thing that Jesus wants to do. He wants to restore and resuscitate. He elaborates. He says, when your eye is healthy or clear, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your whole body is full of darkness. What is it saying there? Consider this. If your eyes see Jesus for who he is in reality, then you are full of light. But if you don't see Jesus for who he really is, then you are full of darkness. That's what's happening with people who don't believe in who Jesus is. Jesus is God, the son. And when you don't see him for that, then all your stuff is limited. It depends upon you now, right? It depends upon me to do this particular thing. It depends upon me to do this or to do that. God says, no, I want to be Lord of your entire life, of your entire life, not just just churchy stuff, because the church is the body of Christ. But we've gotten into this thing where we want to play church. It's life. It's life. It's the only life we have. You can't play with it. You can't play with it. It is the only imperative. This thing that Jesus says, then watch out. He says, watch out. Be careful that the light in you is not darkness. It is the only warning in the text. It's all important. It's vital. It's critical. It's essential. In other words, there is much that passes for light through the eye that is not light. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. It's a lot that passes through my eyes that's really not light. It's a lie. It's a lie. There are many bright things in the world that keep us from seeing the true light of Christ. You ever been fishing? You ever wake up in the morning and anybody go fishing? Anybody go fishing? 
Okay, you ever wake up in the morning, and you know the city lights blind you. You can't really see. And then when you get out, say, to Jersey Shore, to Barnegat, or something like that, the stars are so bright because the false light has dimmed them. It has dimmed the true light. See, it's so much stuff, and we all, we all, we all got to really examine ourselves. In biblical counseling, we say we need to do self-counseling. We need to do some self-counseling because I ain't going to lie to you. It's some stuff in my light that just blinds me to the importance of who Christ is. I'm, I'm, you know, I ain't a preacher. I'm a regular old guy. You know what I mean? I'm just a regular old guy. But I love the Lord. That is my epitus. That is my catalyst. That is what changes me. My wife is sitting right there. She'll tell you, I go to the bathroom like everybody else go. Ain't nothing holy or just about me. Nothing. If it wasn't for Christ, I would be dead. It is by his grace that I live. And his grace alone. And so the thing that I'm telling you is because me and my family spent four years in the Arab world dealing with human beings. I look at them as Muslims. I'd walk into the sook. The sook is like uh, the Italian market. I'd walk into the sook, and my man uh, <laughs> Nasser, he was the vegetable guy, okay? And every time I walk through, I buy vegetables. It's about a kid, I keep going. So he grabs me one day, and he says, hey, into Muslimia? I said, la'ah, Adam Sahir. Are you a Muslim, he says? I said, no, I'm a Christian. We never hid that. Never hide the fact that you're a Christian. He says, I said, Adam Sahir. So he pulls my shirt back, and he's looking at my wrist. Most Coptic Christians in the Arab world, very few now, they have a cross on their wrist. So they don't get lost. So he says, La ah, fiend, fiend, where's your cross? I said, La 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 la. Yeshua el Messiah fi albi. Jesus Christ lives in my heart. He grabs me and he hugs me. I'm dumbfounded now because this guy's supposed to be a Muslim, right? I can't wait to get home. I said, Baby, I tell this guy I'm a Christian and Jesus lives in my heart. He grabs me and hugs me. What does that mean? That means that everybody in the Arab world ain't Muslims. They're hiding. They're hiding because the only way they can survive is if they hide the fact that they're Christians. We're going to see when we get to glory that it's more Muslims. And they, I, I like the word Muslim because it's one who submits to God. That's what it means. One who submits. How many Christians submit to God? Truly, when you engage Islam, you become like so they can remain like. I ate their food. My blood sugars was 500 because I drank their tea, all that kind of stuff. I went to the doctor. She told me, you got to quit. I did. You know what I mean? But you, you engaging in the culture. I don't care if the person is next door to you and they're a Reformed Baptist that turned Muslim. Engage them. Engage them. You're talking about engaging Islam. But you get a little piece of Islam when you see the Muslim next door. Islam is the religion. There's a darkness. Me and the brother was talking earlier. He went to Saudi Arabia, and I asked him, I said, how do you feel? How did you feel? 
There are powers and principalities in every nation. Me and my wife and family, we prayed more in Egypt than we pray anywhere else. You could feel the darkness. You could feel the oppression. We were there doing the uh, Arab Spring. But we were at peace because God was with us. It, it was, uh, you couldn't believe it. Pastor Benson, I ain't going to lie to you, man. When I saw what God did, I was like Elijah who went in the cave or Noah and started drinking. Because I could not believe what we had been through. I could not understand. I couldn't fathom it. He protected us. He kept us. It wasn't because of any strength of my own. Because I told him I want to be able to take care of my wife and kids. And he did it. He did it. It was unbelievable. It was, I was dumbfounded. God is so good. He is good. Nobody, nobody, nobody can take anything out of his hands. He's full of knowledge. He's full of love. And he wants us to share that love with people. So when you engage Islam, know that you're loving your brother. You're loving people who love God. They do, but they don't understand what Christ has to do with it. But you get the opportunity to share with them what Christ has to do with it. God is so good. God is so good. Be careful what you see. Be careful what you regard as bright and attractive and compelling. If it is not Christ, you will be filled with darkness. No matter how bright it seems for a season. Sometimes stuff seems bright for a season. Candles seem bright until the sun comes out. Then they are useless and put away. Thank you, brother. And put away because of the source of light has come out. The true source of light has come out. Jesus says this. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world. And I'm going to add this. Sometimes we hide the light from people who really need it. But look at what the verse says. And men love darkness rather than light. For the deeds were evil. For everyone that does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. Let me tell you something. You can't hoodwink a Muslim. They know who you are. They're more, they're more uh, in tune with their identity and yours because in the Arab world, in Egypt, they have great memories. I don't know what that is, but I, you, you could see a guy two years and he'll know who you are when he sees you the next time. They have great, great memories. See, we like to lie. We like to portray ourselves as something that we not. They know who you are. When you walk in there, they know we were missionaries. We ain't said it, but they knew we were missionaries. But the interesting thing is, you don't see African Americans. You see, you know, you see white folks come over and be missionaries, but they're obvious also. You know, they're obvious. African Americans are uniquely qualified to go into third world countries. It is your time to go into third world countries and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not on the street corner because your ministry can last two minutes or five years. Do you hear what I said? Your ministry can last two minutes or five years. If you're out on the corner giving out tracts, you'll be out of there. They'll ship you out. But if you wait and bide your time, me and my wife work for uh, 
not only were we with Arab World Ministries, but we were at Cleansing Streams Ministries. And uh, I would love to see that happen in our churches where you come together as a whole and you confess your sins to one another. And you, you know, the Holy Spirit just does something with that among Christians. When you confess your sin, because we hide a lot. Ain't that right? Anybody say that, right? <laughs> we hide our stuff, you know what I mean? We hide our stuff. But Cleansing Streets Ministry was a ministry where in order for you to share your faith with Sudanese and Egyptians, you had to confess your sins. You had to be open. Do you understand what I'm saying? Me and my wife was part of this ministry, and we saw Sudanese and Egyptian pastors. Now, they got this thing that where the Sudanese don't understand the Egyptians. They speak Arabic, but the, the Sudanese speak a deeper, guttural, Klingon type of Arabic. You know what I mean? And uh, they just didn't like one another. But we got together and said, no, 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 no. No, no, no. You are Christ. Christ is the, is the one who brings everything together. You got to work together. We're talking about winning Egyptians to Christ, winning Sudanese to Christ. And they came together. They came together. Man, it was, man, we had planned our second term. When we came back, we was going to bust doors open. But that wasn't the Lord's plan. It wasn't the Lord's plan. I, 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 I honestly believe if I could get back there, it's just how things worked out. And, uh, it's so much to do, but we believe that God is still working in the Arab world among Christians who were scared at one point. Now they're no longer scared. They, 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 are, they are on fire for the Lord. We were at the cave church. You can look that up. It's a 25,000-seat uh, church. They prayed all night. Not nobody sleeping. I mean, they prayed all night long, crying out to the Lord, and the Lord moved in Egypt. Truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus says, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. I know you are Abraham's descendants. You know the Muslims are Abraham's descendants? I know, and it seemed like Jesus was talking about the Pharisees, but he's talking to our Muslim brothers because they were legalistic just as the Pharisees are. And he says, I know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. Did you get that? His word has no place in them. Here it is. You want tools? Read the Quran for yourself. It ain't going to jump off on you and bite you. Because we know there's only one God, right? We know there's only one Lord. We know there's only one faith. True? So get yourself a Quran. So you want to armor yourself up. It's both English and Arabic. You ain't got to worry about the Arabic. Now that you want to learn one, you learn it. It's both English and Arabic. So you'll know what they think or believe. The majority of Muslims do not read the Quran. They read the Hadith. They go by memory. They know what the tradition is. But you start reading this Quran and you start addressing who Isa is. You talking about engaging Islam? You need to do that. Here's a great book by Dr. Alfonso Javid. It's called The Muslim Next Door. How deep do you want to get into this? Are we just talking about this now or what? 
or when we leave here, will you engage Islam? Invest. Pastor Richard say, you want to be a pastor? Invest in your ministry. Invest in what you want to do. Invest. Buy the book. It's what? $16.95? The Muslim next door, this brother gives great insight because he was an ex-Muslim. And he knows what to do. Are you scared to be around people? Do you love people? See, Jesus loved people. He didn't care who they were. They could be whores. They could be drunkards. They could be lepers. They could be anything. He loved people. But what he hated was self-righteous folk. Uh, it's, it's, just, it's just, I'm an electrician. And I follow schematic diagrams and I put stuff together. Okay, this plus this could equal this. This makes this energize that. What energizes you? What, what makes you want to do this? We're talking about engaging Islam, but it's not just Islam. It's talk, you got, we live in an age where people don't believe nothing. They don't believe a thing. How about engaging atheism? Engaging Hinduism? See, when Paul went all over the world, around the Mediterranean Sea, in Illyricum and all that area there, Mars Hill, he said, you know what? I'm concerned because you people worshiping a God that you don't even know. Paul said, you know what? He engaged them, didn't he? He engaged them. Them folk came to Christ. So it ain't just limited to Muslims like they some big threat. It ain't limited to that because what did we find out earlier in the talk? We found out that Christ has the greatest wisdom and he can resuscitate anything because he is the resurrection and the life. So what is it? What is it that stops us from just leaving stuff right where we found it? What is it that makes us do that? Uh, Me and my wife, we spent four years again in the ab world and we loved our time there. And I'm sure if we could, we'd go back. We really would. We may take a trip there, but you can only stay 30 days now. And uh, we would like to go back. And let me finish out here because I know I'm getting close. Christ is the glory we were made to see. His His light alone will fill us and give the light of life and meaning to every part of our lives. And when that happens, we ourselves will shine and give off the rays of Christ. That's what Muslims see differently about you when you're around them. They see something different about you. If then your whole body, you you won't be able to help it, if then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright as when the lamp with its rays give you the light. That's the last verse on, uh, I think it's verse 36. And so this is our desire to let Christ's light shine in us so that the work to be done, engaging Muslims, engaging unbelievers, engaging anyone who does not know Christ, is really, excuse me, is really not on you. You're simply just a light shining, but that light has to be Christ's light. It can't be your light. Father, open the eyes of our hearts to see the supreme greatness of your wisdom and power. Make our eyes good. Heal our blindness.
fill us with the all-pervading, all-exposing, all-purifying light of your presence. And so we'll be so careful to give you praise and honor and glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I think Kanita is giving us like a few minutes for questions. Would you come up, baby? Testing one. Okay. Can we give Brother Larry a hand? I know he indicated that uh, he wanted to leave about 10 to 15 minutes for some dialogue, discussion, Q&A. And so feel free to ask any questions that you might have for he uh, and Sister Rebecca. I noticed that you were able to speak some Arabic. Mm -hmm. Was most of the dialogue between you and those who lived in the area mm -hmm. your family lived in, in English or Arabic, mm -hmm. and how important it is it to learn the language? Arabic is uh, when you're in a foreign country, all right? And most Americans, they go and they live in compounds, but they don't bother to learn the language. If you really want to learn culture, you need to learn the language. And so we started off, uh, we went to school. I started studying the Arabic alphabet before I left. And we had a school called You Can. You Can Speak Like an Egyptian. <laughs> and uh, even the guys on my job, we have guys on my job. I work for a train company. And they, they come from Morocco. They come from everywhere working in the United States. And they think I'm from Egypt when I speak Arabic to them. You know, you have the Egyptian accent. So, yes, it's very, very important. Most of the time, you're speaking Arabic for the most part. Yes. Did you, did you encounter any Swahili? Uh, believe it or not, some Arabic words are Swahili. They have some Arabic words. I don't know how that took part place, but some Arabic words are, are speak Swahili. They have Swahili as a language. Yes. When you first uh, went to the Middle East, um, did you know anyone over there? Like, how were you placed there? Okay. And how did you begin to, mm -hmm. you know, befriend people? Okay. First time I went to the Middle East, I was in the Navy. Uh, I was in Alexandria, Egypt. And uh, Lord, Lord set you up, man. I'm telling you, he will set you up. Because you don't know you're going back to that region of the world. Some friends of ours, uh, Alan Rita Scarborough, were, oh, I ain't supposed to mention no name. Anyway, <laughs> they were in the Arab world for nine years. And, you know, every African-American male who gets saved believe they're supposed to be a preacher or something like that. And I just knew, you know, when I went to the exit interview with my pastor, I said, no, I just want to be able to share my faith. You know what I mean? And so I joined the evangelism ministry. And um, Alan Rita Scarb, they came. <laughs> they came home and they were sharing what was happening in the Middle East. Yeah. And I said, wow, you know, that's, you know, we're going to go. And so me and my wife, we planned on going, right? But we got pregnant. How many of you brothers know your wife don't get pregnant alone? <laughs> we, we got pregnant and, and the Lord wouldn't allow her to go because she was seven months out. And so the pastor said, you can go, but she needs to stay home. I said, cool. So I went and I stayed for a month. And when I landed in the country, I knew that that was the place for me. You really go, you go with an agency, you know. But if I had it to do all over again, I would, you know, Lord can provide anything. I would, Lord, give me provision to be able to be self-supported. 
because it's hard to raise support, you know. And uh, if it wasn't for Christian Stronghold, we'd have came back two weeks after we got there, you know. <laughs> so that was the deal. For Sister Rebecca, uh, so you going over there with your husband, how difficult or was it difficult for you to assimilate to the culture, to dress attire, or was there some sort of stipulations on that? What was your experience? Um, it was it was wonderful, and um, I think I guess the only challenge was the freedom. You know, here as women, you can come, you can go, you take off. You know, you go do what you're used to being more independent, and there um, you don't have that freedom to just walk around, you know, by yourself and do a lot of things. So that that was probably one the the one limitation. The only other thing is, and I and I always say this story because I love it. But I did, you know, before we went, we'd always go and you know, you're raising support, and I said, oh, I'll follow him anywhere, right? <laughs> And then when you get to the when you get to Egypt and that traffic, I mean there were no tra street lights and all that stuff. And Larry was when he just stepped out in the street and put his hand up. I would not follow him across the street. Okay, it was over. It's like no, no, I'm not going. He's like where are you? Come on, I'm, I'm not going out there. But but no, it it was a wonderful, wonderful. Um, there are women, I, I guess the only thing in Cairo is that there is so much ministry that um, we were supposed to be in language school and um, for the first two years just in language, and, and that's so hard to do when you're used to doing ministry. Because, mm. again, if you're not doing it here, you're not going to do it there. Mm. So, But once you get there, you're going to do what you naturally do. Mm. So, of course, I got there, and, for the, and then I was in language school the first year I guess but then there was a need at the school and I'm a teacher and then so of course then I just got involved in in in, in all kinds of ministry but it was a blessing it was wonderful it was wonderful brother Larry could you just speak to uh the I, I would say the, the context of the underground church there or you know persecuted Christians what what did that look like from a practical well sense? well I'll give you uh two situations. When I first went to Egypt in 2001, uh, my brother, he took us all over the place. I mean, he dropped us in a park and said, go share your faith. This is brother, brother Al, you know what I mean? Go share your faith. I'm like, I can't speak Arabic. How do you share your faith, right? So you speak, you share your faith by your acts, the acts of the apostles, the acts, by your acts. And so uh, I found that I met a, a Christian brother. He was a Coptic Christian, but you could see the fear all over his face because he worked for this Arab guy, and they really, they really kept him down. You know what I mean? But it, fast forward to 2009, 2011, things had changed. They really knew who they were in Christ, and they ain't care if you burnt their house down. They ain't care nothing about that. I'm going to trust Christ and. Forget Islam. Now, we've seen uh, people who live next door to one another, Muslims and Christians live next door to one another, and when the Arab Spring came, it's, it was this, this craziness where they burnt the, person, burnt the person's house down, the Christian's house down afterwards. But then uh, I can tell you a story. It's really not mine to tell. It's Rebecca's to tell. But uh, 
friend of ours, Princess Warrior, uh, again, answering his brother's question, our team was split up into different sections. We were um, evangelism, okay? Then you had one lady, she was a nurse. Then you had a couple people worked in media, you know? Then you had some brothers work with Muslim background, mm, Muslim background believers. I guess I can say that, yeah. But uh, it's a persecuted church. Yeah. But they are used to persecution. They used to persecution because that's what they've been getting for the longest. But I think when Christians go over, we need to encourage them. But see, we can run back home. That's why you want to hang as long as you can. You want to stay there as long as you can. That's why after the revolution, we didn't come home. We went right back into Egypt. Why? Because we want to encourage our, our Muslim friends, our Arab friends, Arab Christians. We want to encourage them because they'll tell you, oh, you can leave. You can go home at any time. But are you willing to stay there for the long haul mm. and go through some stuff that they go through? Because now you got, you got a check. <laughs> you know what I mean? I suffered right along with you, brother. You understand what I'm saying? And so, but our team, when uh, we had three criterion, it had to be no money in the bank, which didn't have no money. Missionaries ain't never got no money. Uh, anyway, anyway, uh, there had to be no money in the bank. There had to be food on the shelf. There was no food on the shelf. And do you feel safe? During that time, you know, I'm from North Philly. You hear gunshots all the time, right? Shoot, man. Boom, boom, boom. And so we met together as a team, and we got together, and we said, you know what? We need to get out of here for the sake of our families, you know? And we left for three weeks. The Lord didn't tell us to come home, though. Come back. If I came back to America, we'd went, we wouldn't have went back, you know? And uh, we stayed, and it was a blessing. It was a blessing. Amen. Um, I just wanted to speak a little bit uh, about the persecuted church and just the fact that when you live in an Arab country and you're a Christian, so everything you do, you have a card, just like your ID card. Your ID card says whether or not you are Christian, okay? That determines your income, your employment, where you go to school, marriage, all of those things. Some people, even they had changed their birth certificates. Girls go to get married, and it says, oh, no, you're a Muslim. And if you're a Muslim, you can't marry a Christian, okay? So, so it's very subtle in that way. Then it would just be overtly. Um, on some days, they'd say any girls without their hair covered. And, and the Christians would wear, like the girls would wear the long dress or their cover, but they wouldn't cover their hair, okay? And they'd say anybody with their hair uncovered, um, like they would be like cutting cutting them, cutting their throats, doing, you know, messing up their face, whatever. And so you have girls that would be, they wouldn't go to school. They'd be afraid to come out. Parents wouldn't send them out. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the others. All of those, that's just part of the oppression. You know, it's not always like the just straight threatened, but, but it's always there underlined. It's always underlined. Psychological. That can be the worst type of, of oppression, the psychological oppression, mm -hmm. because you don't know what's going to happen. Amen. You, don't, you don't know. And so when you're praying for Saudi Arabia or Turkey or all these other countries, you need to keep that in mind about the mental oppression 
that they go through. It's, uh, it's very, very interesting. And it doesn't, you know, and my wife is right. She wasn't going nowhere without me. Because what nobody treating my wife wrong, and you will feel the pain. Or I'm going to feel the pain. You protect your bride. You protect your wife. And in that country, if a woman is walking alone, we've seen it. If a woman is walking alone, they take liberties, you know? And uh, it's, it's really crazy, you know? But I'm going to tell you, the whole experience was great. Amen. The whole experience was great. Yes. Can you uh, give us some, uh, explain to us what type of training the two of you had to go through with your yeah. children before you embarked on this trip to uh, We went through terrorism training. You know, somebody snatch you up, you're going to give up everybody else <laughs> or your team or what? You know what I mean? And I was ex-military. I was ex-military. So uh, we had that type of training. And it wasn't so intense with the agency. But are you going to give your teammate up? Now we start to wonder, is Christ really who he says he is? Mm. That question comes up. Mm. Is this worth it? Mm. Yes, it is. Mm. <laughs> you know, because now, you know, you, 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 the rubber has met the road. Am I, am I just, am I just uh, a Christian on Sunday? Or when I'm persecuted, do I still name the name of Christ? Mm. Um, I just want to talk about a little basic training. Um, with AWM, you go through in your commission with them. So, of course, you go, you have, um, you have to t- pass the test for your Bible knowledge. You have to have a psychological evaluation to make sure you're not going to get over there and, you know, melt down. Um, then you have to go through, um, they used to have SIP, um, the Summer Institute on Islam in Philadelphia, um, where you go and it's an intensive uh, week of studying Islam. And you feel the oppression even then, because every day that you are immersed um, in, in uh, the culture and talking about Islam, and even at that point, we went um, to visit a mosque. Um, so yeah, so all of, all of that is a part of it. And then we went also for training on how to learn language, okay? So you had to go and you learn how to learn language before you go to language school, all of those things. And the kids were with us, the kids were with us the whole way. Uh, <laughs> no. Anyway, yes, yes, yeah, it's, it's all. I mean, well, that's the only time I had a panic attack, but that's, that's and that was here in the United States. That was in North Carolina. We went um, to Union Mills, North Carolina, for the training, and we're down there. We we ride in, and Billy Bob is on the porch across the street, and they, the, the the housing was this old. Uh, I don't know if it was a college, but the dorm. Okay, and it was open, and it was crazy. And when I tried to clean up the room for the kids, I moved the crib, and there was this tooth. I mean, with roots and all. Oh, my goodness. It was the only time I had. I didn't have a panic attack overseas. I mean, we were there to learn the language, but that's where I had the panic attack. I was, I, I, really, I had to call my, you got to pray. Yeah. I called them, you got to pray. I, I, I couldn't know. And then Larry wound up with a tooth. He was supposed to speak. Yeah. And his tooth, sw- I mean, it was spiritual warfare, crazy. Well, I think the real issue was everything that African-American heard about down south, being persecuted by the Ku Klux Klan, 
we that's all you would think about because that's how rural the area was we were going for training. But the training was a blessing. Yep. And you will feel oppression. Let me just tell you this. When you read books like this, or when you start reading the Quran, know that there's only one true God. One true God. You will feel oppression. Okay? But you need to know what it says. So you'll know how to come back to people. Okay? Did you know that your Quran says this? What? Yeah, it talks about Jesus being the word of God. Yeah, it does. Surah 23. You know what I mean? It talks about Jesus being Isa. You know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting that they don't even read what's in their book. The majority of them don't. And those that do, who can speak Arabic, will not bring it up. Because now I got to address who Isa really is. I have to address that. Who is he to me? I mean, in your mind, you got to start addressing some stuff. And so as Christians, we got to start addressing some stuff. Because right. if Jesus says... Uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's another verse in Matthew that I didn't bring out. Talked about uh, Moses said this, but then Jesus said, but I say. You remember the scriptures in, in Matthew? Jesus says, but I say. He's really God. Yeah. He's, he's imposing himself upon the prophets and saying, no, he said this, but I say. Do you understand what I'm saying? You got to get into what Jesus said. <laughs> because that is your root. That is everything that you are about if you say you trust in and believe in God. Amen. There's some stuff that comes up, man, that we really can't ignore. Mm -hmm. You got to deal with it. You got to wrestle with it. Yeah. Is he who he say he is? Or am I just believing a lie? Mm. You got to ask yourself that question. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? Tanisha, did you want to ask I did. Something? I just, so I wanted to ask, now that you are back here in the U.S., mm -hmm. how are you continuing? Can you talk to us, tell us a little bit about how you're continuing to engage? Well, like I said, I got guys on my job who are Muslims, mm -hmm. and I'm in relationship with them, you know? Yeah. We don't talk, you know, we don't talk about religion. We talk about life, experience life with people. Ain't that what Jesus did? He experienced like he went to weddings, he drank wine, he did a whole lot of stuff with people, and he would engage folks, and they got to come to a conclusion. Why is he different? I also work for uh, Perspectives on the World. I teach, volunteer, Perspectives on the World Christian Movement, unleashing the gospel. Yeah. This is a form of unleashing the gospel. It must be unleashed. It got to be let go. Can you tell them what Isa is? Isa is uh, the Muslim word for Jesus. Okay? Isa is what they call him, the prophet Isa. Okay? So when you're reading the Quran, you get yourself an English, just, just read a surah a day. You know what I mean? I mean, I know, I know some people think it's oppressive, but I believe that knowledge is powerful. Absolutely. It is powerful. And if I know what your books say, because some of them know what the Injil says, mm -hmm. some of them know what the gospel says. Mm -hmm. If I know what your books say, then we can talk. We can have this conversation, and then we can go drink tea, and we'll go eat some lamb and stuff later on. You know what I mean? But we cool. You know where I what I believe, and I know what you believe, but now I'm going to bake fish and bring it to you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. When you're hurting, I'm going to pray for you and comfort you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Islam don't tell me I can't pray for you. Right. You know what I'm saying? Sure. I can pray for folks. I can do some stuff that Jesus would do. That's engaging. Mm -hmm. 
That's engaging. And I love that. I think engaging also really defies that Western context of missions and evangelism, mm. where you know other religions respect many things about Christianity, even mm. though they don't believe. Mm -hmm. We are the ones that are saying we have this thing, this this God, this faith that you need. Mm. We don't need to know anything about what you believe. Mm. You just need to believe what we believe. Mm -hmm. But that posture of humility that says, That's right. you know, when we're really studying not just our word, right. but also studying what other people believe, That's right. it further strengthens our faith. That's right. It further strengthens mm -hmm. our faith in that belief that mm. God is who he says he is. Amen. And you, you're really, you're on a rescue mission. Yeah. You remember uh, the story uh, Jesus tells, I think that's in Luke also, where the man, um, the rich man and Lazarus, and it's the only story where Jesus puts names to people, and he says to him, he said, well, go, go to my brothers and tell them not to come to this place. He says, no, 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 no. You got the prophets. You got the books of the law. Go to them. You ain't coming back after this. You see what I'm saying? So it's a rescue mission. That's what you're on. You ain't got to call it missions, but it's, it's a rescue. I think our cross movement made a song. You know what I mean? You're on the rescue. We're coming back, although you didn't have to. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, it's, it's a rescue mission. And when we look at it that way, we see what God is trying to do. He's into restoration and resuscitation, resurrection. He's an awesome guy. Amen. Can we give our guests a hand, Brother Larry, Sister Rebecca Ray? We love you. We thank you so much. This was so powerful. A.R. Bernard uh, used to uh, also be a Muslim, and he said that in Islam, he found structure, he found order, but he didn't find God.